Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Monday, November 13th, the Parenting on the Same Page edition. I'm Zach Rosen. I make another podcast. It's called The Best Advice Show, and I'm Dad to Noah, who's six, and Ami, who's three. We live in Detroit. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 11, Oliver, who's nine, and Teddy, who's seven. We live in Tokyo, Japan. Jamila is actually out today, and we miss her dearly. But we're very excited to have a very special guest, Dr. Lindsay Cavanaugh. So glad you could pop into the hosting chair today, Lindsay. Tell us a little bit about yourself. We're just meeting for the first time. Yeah. Hi, I am Dr. Lindsay Cavanaugh. I am a psychologist and military marriage coach. And I am passionate about helping spouses and parents have the best marriage possible. I have two kids, girls, ages five and one. And I also live in Japan outside of Tokyo. I'm so excited to get to have Lindsay on the show because before I moved to Tokyo, I came on Lindsay's podcast, which is called Married to the Military, and we just like became friends on the show. And she's like, hey, I'm living outside of Japan. Message me when you get here. But when I got here, Lindsay was like back touring the U.S. We like message, message, message. Then randomly she messages. She's like, I'm coming to Tokyo with my parents. And I'm like, okay, we'll meet you. So we meet up. Then last weekend, I'm traveling, and Henry has like a total meltdown about American food. And so I'm looking, and I'm like, wow, we could pass through the base where Lindsay is. So I message her. I'm like, hey, (laughs) like on Saturday night, if I show up tomorrow morning on base, would you like meet up with us (laughs) so that Henry can get pizza? And she's like, absolutely. So we had a nice... um, pizza party date together yeah. at the uh, pizza hut. food court in the base. <laughs> pizza really hut that hard in to Tokyo. Find American pizza? It's yes. just not the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but Lindsay, before we get started, I wanted you to share like kind of why you got started with this podcast. And I know the podcast is actually kind of expanding in a way that our listeners would be really excited about. Yeah. So I've been a psychologist for 15 years, and I have worked a million different jobs thanks to the military. And one thing that I have come to find is how big of an impact the health of your marriage makes on everything. Like, everything is easier when your marriage is strong. And so this was also confirmed in an 80-year research study out of Harvard that found that the number one predictor to health and happiness is relationships. So specifically, Specifically, your marriage. Mm -hmm. There is another stat that came out that shows that marriage satisfaction significantly decreases after having kids for 90% of people. Doesn't matter your culture, your race, like anything. It it goes down for 90% of people. And so essentially, I wanted to create a space which became the podcast that talks about how to have a healthy marriage regardless of the challenges in front of you. Did this study say like it 90% of marriages suffer indefinitely? Yes. After kids, if there's no intervention done, the satisfaction never goes back up. Great. Well, we need you today (laughs) because our our listener and I'm sure not just our question asker, but a a lot of our listeners are going to find deep value in what you have to offer. So um, thanks for being here. We're going to end today's show with a round of recommendations. That's all coming up after a short break. Stay with us. We're back and ready to hear today's question. Take it away, Shasha. Dear mom and dad, my husband is an involved, loving parent who spends lots of time with our three children who are under age five. 
But when it comes to the bigger, capital P, parenting topics, or even some day-to-day issues, I feel like I'm forced into a manager position. He doesn't know a lot about parenting and doesn't take the time to learn. Whereas I consume a lot on the topic. This information discrepancy has led to some problems. I'm always the one who has to keep on top of things like potty training, sleep, feeding, or dealing with challenging behaviors. He'll listen to me explain something for maybe three minutes, but he never truly implements techniques and just reverts to reflexive, suboptimal patterns when things get tricky. Then he'll tell me that my way doesn't work. I'm open to discussing different ideas, but he never has other ideas to offer. He also has very out-of-date understandings of some important topics like neurodivergence, mental health, and sex education. I don't want to lecture him about these things, but I also don't want to co-parent with someone stuck in the 90s. I've shared articles, reels, and paid for courses that he agrees to, but never finishes. Even little requests like learning how to install the car seat are never followed through on. Recently, I asked him to find just one piece of parenting content, a column, a podcast, an Instagram account, anything to consume once a week in the hopes that some progress on learning and taking responsibility could be made. So far, he hasn't done this. Sincerely, resigning as a parent manager. Lindsay, this is like, uh, I don't know what we would do without you today. Let, <laughs> let, let's have you start us off. Well, this is a great question. And I think differences in parenting is really one of the top arguments that parents tend to have. Mm. Um But what I say is, of course, you're going to have different styles. You are different people. And it's okay that you don't see eye to eye all of the time. And in many ways, that will make you better parents. The overall goal here, if you're fighting about parenting, is no matter what angles you are coming from, you want to get on the same page Mm. because you are both trying to raise good humans. Right. So remember that you both do have the same big goal. Like you have that in common. You want to raise good humans. You want to whatever it is that you're trying to do and how you Mm -hmm. may go about it might be different. And that's okay. It's figuring out how do you work with your two styles that's key here. So in this specific example, this person's spouse may never be a researcher. And that's okay, especially because, you know, you're the one doing the researching and learning as best you can. And so the goal here, again, is to just get on the same page. And so I like to start these conversations with something like, I want us to get on the same page. Mm. I want us to be a solid team. And it is so much easier when we are doing it together versus when we're fighting with each other. And so you're starting the conversation with the bigger why, like, you know, why are we doing this and what you have in common, which helps to lower any defensiveness that might pop up and it ensures that the conversation is going to be more productive. And so then you get into the nitty gritty, you know, something like, so what do we do if we disagree about something? I've been reading a lot of information that might be different from what you think is right. Like, how do we handle these situations? And so notice I'm using a lot of what should we do versus Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. my way is better or I've read all of this or I, you know, Mm -hmm. yours is wrong, that kind of thing. 
Elizabeth and I have talked about this. Like, I was also the one that did all the research. Like, I read all the books, and I even got my husband several, and he read (laughs) zero pages of any of them. And in some ways, this is okay for me because I like that I get to lead the charge, so to speak, when it comes to a lot of this parenting stuff. But I also want him to have a voice, and I want him to feel like he can assert himself, even when. When I disagree with what he's doing and he is going to disagree with me even when I'm following all the research. So the goal is to really find that middle ground. And what I have learned is there's a lot of different ways to get to that same goal. And so finding what works best for all of you is going to be the ticket every single time. So you do the research But then have the conversations about how you both like incorporate that in with your parenting. Yeah, I texted Lindsay that I thought my younger self could have written this letter. Because when we Mm. first had kids, this is kind of where Jeff and I were like he came from a particular parenting background. I was big into like, read all the books, gather all the information like I want to know as much as possible. And I would tell him these things, like just offload all of this, right, and come up with all of these plans. But he was sort of like, well, in the moment, one, I'm not interested in doing the research. And two, in the moment, like what is actually going to work and what am I going to do? And then when he didn't do it, I was mad about it. So our our entire reaction about parenting became about what he was doing wrong, And in fact, I handed him this letter when we got it and was like, he kind of jokingly was like, did you like write this and send it? I'm like, no, it's kind of he's like, it's nice to know that other people are having this shared experience because the way we got through it is what Lindsay is saying is that I had to change my mindset to believe that we were in this together. Like we are married and had a family to do this together. And and I we sometimes joke like it's us against them. I mean, sometimes it is like us, the parents against them, the children, and we need to be together. And I need to assume that everything he's doing, he's headed towards the same goal that I'm headed towards. Um, and if my entire mentality is I'm doing it right and he's doing it wrong, we are going to fight. We are going to have Mm -hmm. constant conflict because my frame of reference is that. And having these conversations, not necessarily about the parenting, but how you feel as the other adult in this relationship when the information is ignored. But your expectation also can't be that he's going to do what you do. Like Lindsay said, he's not also going to be the researcher. So I guess, Lindsay, one of the things I want to ask you is like, how do you ask your partner in a way that is not like offensive to them or, or make or them doesn't feel like you're giving them homework. Yeah. That, that makes it seem like I'm giving you homework or I know the right way. And I want you to do this my way, as opposed to saying like, my feelings are hurt because I'm putting in this effort for this sphere that I do the research on and I'm getting nothing back from you. So how do you invite them yeah. into that space so that you can be productive going forward? It's a good question. The first thing that I really think about here is that his way of of addressing that or, or helping with that might not be what I want. Like in this specific question, right, she's wanting him to also research. And he may end up having to contribute in a way that's completely different. And so what I like to do is really use the, you know, the I statements that are, are really big. I feel 
you know, alone when I, I'm doing all of this research and I'm trying to know as best I can and it doesn't seem that you're invested in it. Like, I want to know that you are invested. I know that you are invested and I just want to mm-hmm. make sure that that's communicated to me. And so, like, let's talk about that. First of all, I appreciate how the listener caveats the 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 frankly criticism of her partner with like he is a loving and involved mm-hmm. parent so that's actually very good to know mm-hmm. um but i think in addition to like you um needing to believe that he is like on your team and wants the same things like it has to go beyond belief too and like if he's not going to be a researcher, like that's a lot of labor that he's opting out of yeah. and that's fine. But like, what is the labor that he is doing? Yeah. Um, it's like, maybe he's, maybe it's like dishes and cooking, like that's significant too. Um, and so just like, as long as you feel like he is contributing in other like meaningful ways that are tangible beyond being involved, which is obviously baseline. Um, I feel like that is an important piece too in, um, you know, ensuring that there won't be resentment. Or even talking about it like, hey, I am okay being the researcher. Are you okay following my lead here? And then if you ever disagree with something that I'm doing or something that I've read, like we have that conversation offline Mm -hmm. away from the kids and then we can decide what we want to do about it. But I feel like the frustration that I heard from the listener was I'm doing all the research. He's not doing anything. And then he's disagreeing with me. Right. I think there's that really frustrating place. So I think that it's, if, if he doesn't want to be the researcher, great, but then can there be like a, will you follow my lead? And then, and then offline we can have some of those conversations and we can talk about how we're going to handle when we do disagree. Yeah. I think it's important that when you have these conversations, that it's away from the undesired behavior so that that from your spouse or from your partner or from from you, right? Yeah. So that the emotions have time to cool. And something that's worked for Jeff and I is like scheduling time to have these conversations where we can both come in being very specific. We, I want to have a conversation about this. I know it's an emotionally charged topic for both of us. When can we find a time that is away from distractions? We are going to, um, Jeff sometimes feels that these conversations can go on forever. So us saying like, I think I need 30 minutes and we're going to be limited to these 30 minutes. And when it's over, it's going to be over. And if we need to schedule another conversation, right? Like that's something that helps him be productive and helps me stay focused. Um, I also try to ask him like, okay, I want to do this particular type of potty training. In order to do that, I need your help because sometimes you are the one that is taking them to the bathroom. How can I set you up for success? Because he does not want to mm-hmm. read the book and not because he doesn't care because mm-hmm. that it's not interesting to him. He does mm-hmm. not want to watch a video. He wants me to set him up for what he needs to do. When they sit on the bathroom and they do this, they get a sticker. So what worked for us was for me to literally type that up and put it in the bathroom. These are our rules. He can see them. I can see them. We've reviewed them together. Right. And that that's just like this reminder. And we do that with a with a lot of things. I I I think I'm talking about printables a lot on here for the kids. They are also very helpful for Jeff and I to kind of ground in this. We've decided on this system. The system is not really going to change without a conversation. And this is how we follow it practically in the moment. Um mm-hmm. 
I, I think one of the things that can happen with researchers, and I say this because I am one, is that we constantly have new ideas. Um, mm. We're constantly reading something new and changing that. And I know for Jeff, that was one of the frustrations is like, well, today we're doing this and tomorrow we're doing this to fix the problem. And so yeah. the printables also really helped kind of say, this is the system we're going to use. I'm going to get you on board for this system. And I just need you to implement it in in these specific areas. And also, I just wanted to hit on the 90s dad piece in particular. I think it's its own kind of adjacent thread to this. Like, what what can be done there to bring mm-hmm. 90s dad into the 21st century? A lot of that it ends up being education. It's just he's not going to do it with research. And so I think that mm-hmm. that's kind of really going back to what Elizabeth just said, where it ends up being like, how does he want to get the information? Does he want you to tell him about it? Does he want you to just give him a printable and then he tries it and then you like check back in about it? Does he want, right? I think that there just has to be, but even Mm -hmm. talking about this, I call these the process conversations, like how are we going to do this thing? So how, how do you want to learn the information. I even talk, because grandparents, this comes up with grandparents a lot too, where my mom will say, you know, this, that, and the other. I'm like, we don't we do not do that anymore. That's not actually safe. Right. Um, and so it, how, how do you want me to share this in a way that feels really good to you? If they're telling you, this is how I want the information, but then they don't like it, it's still now on them to, to kind of change and update how they want you to, you know, to tell them. Totally. Zach, how do you guys handle this kind of stuff in your house? Well, neither of us are researchers, so that <laughs> saves us a lot of time and energy, frankly. Um, seriously, like we, I don't think either of us have read an entire parenting book or listened to a parenting podcast other than mom and dad are fighting. <laughs> we do read articles, though. Um, so I don't feel like there's a, that there's a big disconnect in, in the ways in which we're getting ideas about parenting and implementing them. I think we are more, um, I guess, somewhat intuitive about it. But I think the big piece, which goes back to what you were both saying, is like, we do talk about it, typically in bed at night when the kids are sleeping and like, have some sort of um, unified front. And I think we've both had to catch each other when we're trying to like, analyze each other's style in the moment. Um, and, and, you know, ask ask the other person to like, step back we have a kind of look that we can that we can give to each other so fortunately i mean we have uh, we have our own issues certainly but this isn't one of them well one thing that i like that you say there is that because one of the potential downsides of being a researcher is you're not always using that intuitive parenting that you were talking about where you really get into like i read this is how you do it so this is how we're doing it and you're not really using what works for your styles and the kids what they need and so i think that mm-hmm. in this is why actually having one researcher and one not can really benefit each other because y- you're remembering to bring in that intuitive like what do we need to do here with our specific situation versus what the research shows Zach, you touched on the labor that's going into all this research and i i as that has kind of rattled around in my head I feel like some of the underpinnings of this letter is that the letter writer mm-hmm. does not feel appreciated for that labor. Mm. Mm-hmm. And she says like resigning as the parent manager, but I don't actually think 
that they want to resign. I think what they want right. is for that to be acknowledged that they they're doing it, right? Because they're doing the research. They know what they want everything to go, but right. it's met not with, I really appreciate you doing this work for the benefit mm-hmm. of our children. It's met with, I don't want to do any of this. And so on on one hand, like I always say, you can only change your own behavior. And that is the hard part about a, a lot of these. But I think it would be okay to ask for <laughs> the acknowledgement that you need. Hey, this is a lot of work. And I know that because it is not something you do, it may not feel valuable to you, but it is very mm. important to me and it's work for the family. And I need to feel appreciated for that work. And I, I think sometimes it's like love languages. Your partner doesn't right. always know what you need. And I think we've been brought up in this culture where it's like, they're supposed to know, you know, Disney romance, they're supposed to know, and we're supposed to feel appreciated. And if we have to ask, it's somehow less, you know, like it, it, the appreciation we get is less, but I just think that we don't know everything about our partners. We don't know everything about each stage in life. And so it is okay to say what this is actually about Mm -hmm. is the appreciation for this labor. Yeah. One last quick thing that I will say is if you feel that you are continuing to stay stuck in the same thing, like reach out and get support. I feel like we don't do this quick enough. And the average couple um, from when they first think that they might need marriage counseling until when they actually reach out for it is six years. So just reach out sooner. This is one of those really easy things that you can bring in kind of a third party, like figure out how to speak each other's language here and then get on that same page like we've been talking about so that's that's always an option too if you feel if you continue to feel stuck well resigning as parenting manager we hope you don't resign even though you're feeling resigned Um, but we're so glad to be part of your research we hope this helped please keep in touch everyone else what advice do you have email us at mommadad at slate.com or call us at 646-357-9318 We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our recommendations. All right, finally, let's move on to recommendations. Lindsay, what do you have for us today? Well, so... Of course, I'm going to recommend myself. Um, I actually provide um, one-on-one coaching um, for marriages. And so I have the podcast, Married to Military, um, and I also have some one-on-one stuff that I do and courses and things like that. So you can go to my website at www.lindsaycavanaugh.com or find me on Instagram at Married to Military. I do also want to say the podcast, the Married to the Military podcast, yes, it is military themed, but so many of the issues that she talks about are really marriage issues. Uh, And like she said, there's issues about I came on to talk about kind of homeschooling and children and, and all of that. And I think the thing about the military is that things just move a lot quicker. And a lot of times our our partners are not here. Um, but there are a lot of other people out there whose partners are not around due to work due to, you know, separation from work or a lot of traveling. And so a lot of the things she covers and gives really good advice on on the podcast um, uh, are relevant to you. So browse through her her show. Um, Liz, what do you got today? 
All right. We took a driving trip this weekend, and I had read something in the New York Times about um, LeVar Burton from Reading Rainbow starting a new Mm -hmm. podcast. And so I turned it on for the kids. It's called Sound Detectives. As soon Mm. as it was over, the first episode, it was met with, like, we need to hear the second episode, what is happening. Uh, Of course, there was only one episode out. So if your kids are going to want to binge it, maybe wait a few weeks. (laughs) But uh, this podcast is so cute. It is like a story um, where these detectives are trying to find sounds that exist and return them. And it's just very cute. Has your kids. It's kind of like a puzzle, uh, but over a podcast. It's lovely. It's called Sound Detectives. Um, check it out. That is uh, a podcast idea. I am jealous. I didn't think of that's such a great concept. Very excited to listen to this. Cool. Sound detectives. Um, so as uh, you know, if you're a person living on earth, it's a hard time to be alive sometimes right now. Um, and you might be feeling some grief. You might be feeling some pain. Um, you might be feeling some, some, some kind of heavy, heavy feelings. Um, and if that is you, you might find that Enya is here to help. Um, you remember Enya, right? Yeah. Like the musician. I, I don't know if I've ever actually listened to Enya in earnest, other than like the singles that would be on at like the, you know, like the, I don't know. Uh, wh- where do you hear Enya music? Well, I rem- my like, first Enya was there was like a Sesame Street sketch with it, and mm. I was completely entranced. And my parents had to be like, "This is Enya." <laughs> cool, I, yeah. So, I mean, I don't even know. She's she's kind of in the in the in the air. Enya always is, but I just started listening to the album "The Very Best of Enya" a couple weeks ago, and it is like so calming. It's so beautiful. Um, you can work to it. You should put it on if you're feeling overwhelmed um, and. Enya's just going to calm you right down. So the very best of Enya is so damn good. Calm you down while feeling that she's acknowledging the emotions that you're feeling. Mm, Well said. Yes. Enya sees your pain. That's our show. Please subscribe, leave a rating and review and tell your friends. And actually, before we go, if the holidays are on your mind, don't forget about the Slate Shop. Listeners can go to shop.slate.com to browse our selection of thoughtfully curated, high-quality products that support small businesses, Slate's independent journalism, and your shopping habit. From hand-poured candles and expertly crafted pasta makers to official Slate merch and beaded pickle pouches. Say that five times fast. Beaded pickle pouches. Um, The Slate Shop is your destination for unique products and fabulous gifts. That's shop.slate.com, and new customers will receive 10% off their first order. Happy shopping! This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Maura Curry. Shasha Leonard is the voice of our listeners. Alicia Montgomery is the VP of Slate Audio. For Dr. Lindsay Cavanaugh and Elizabeth Newcamp, I'm Zach Rosen. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>